Thank you for downloading the Walking On Air podcast. Before I begin, I would like to thank the three fantastic sponsors of this podcast. Where are you going on holiday this year? Will you be exploring the mysterious moorlands of Dartmoor or the lovely lakes of the Lake District? Perhaps you would like an adventure in Andalusia or an autumnal wine walk in Sicily or Spain. Do you want to return to the roots of Nordic walking and have a go at cross-country skiing in Norway? Or are you looking for a challenge walk somewhere further afield in Africa, India or Canada? You can find holidays to all these incredible destinations and many more at walkingwomen.com. Local women guides provide in-depth knowledge of each area and will encourage you to walk a little longer and walk a little higher. Use the discount code WOA23 to get a £50 discount off your next walking holiday. Walking women take care of the organisation so you can take care of yourself. The next sponsor is the go-to supplier of brilliant Nordic walking poles. Nordicwalk.store is the leading independent online retailer of quality Nordic walking poles in the UK. Always warm and friendly, I can vouch for the fact that you will get excellent customer service in their capable hands. Nordicwalk.store will deliver Lecky and XL poles the next day anywhere in the UK and if you need advice about which pole is right for you, then contact Paula, who is always happy to help answer your questions. And finally, have you ever considered turning an activity you love into your actual job? If you enjoy being outdoors, meeting new people and staying fit, why not train to become an instructor yourself? British Nordic Walking offers internationally recognised high-quality instructor courses and provides amazing ongoing support for its instructor network. If this sounds tempting, then you can book an instructor training course with a £25 discount if you visit www.britishnordicwalking.org.uk, click on the Train With Us tab and book using the discount code WALKING23. I trained with British Nordic Walking back in 2014 and it provided me with all the information I needed to start teaching and gave me the confidence to set up as an instructor on my own. As a British Nordic Walking instructor, you too will benefit from ongoing support from the community and CPD opportunities to enhance your own knowledge. Further details, discount codes and links to the sponsors' websites can be found in the show notes. Hello and welcome to the Walking On Air podcast, winner of the Inspiration of the Year Award in the Community Sports and Recreation Alliance Awards for 2022. This podcast is for the whole Nordic walking community, from beginner to instructor wherever you are in the world. I'm Mary Tweed, an instructor with British Nordic Walking, and each week I will be discussing various topics with Nordic walkers who are experts in their own particular fields, covering a diverse range of topics about ways in which Nordic walking benefits health and well-being. If you find this podcast beneficial, then I would be extremely grateful if you would consider occasionally making a small donation, the price of a cup of coffee, by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash walking on air. This helps cover the cost of producing these podcasts.
Today I'm talking to two British Nordic walking instructors from JLS Nordic Walking in Yorkshire. Sunil and Louise Mukherjee join me today to share their recent experience of running a Nordic walking workshop for a group of people with visual impairments. Hello and welcome Sunil and Louise to Walking On Air. Hi. How are you? Very well, thank you. A bit hot and bothered because uh, it's a hot day when we're recording this. Please, could you each tell me briefly how you came to be involved with Nordic Walking? Yeah, well, it, it was very straightforward for myself. My daily work is involved, just sat behind a desk all day in an office. I was looking for something that would get me outdoors in my spare time. I wanted something that was challenging and outdoor exercise. I was a bit fed up of going to the gym on a night time and everything. So I wanted something new that could make people have fun. And I was just sat in a local cafe with my sister and there was a leaflet on the notice board advertising a local Nordic walking group. So we went along and just on that first session, I just could see the benefits of Nordic walking. The I felt straight away how much it improved, how I was feeling the exercise how fun it was meeting everyone and instantly I was just hooked there and then that was it was it was it was done for me it was a done deal quite often the case was it was it an instant effect on you as well Samil um my my path to Nordic walking has been slightly different because as people that know me I'm sort of a fairly uh, fairly largish bloke built for comfort and not speed as they say um and my journey to Nordic walking came about through uh, a knee injury really um I couldn't I, I I really enjoyed running and doing things like triathlons and rowing and I think it's just wear and tear caught up with me and it was Louise really that introduced me to Nordic walking and similar sort of things really obviously the benefits of walking with uh, with poles as well taking with it with the the action being a lot more non-weight bearing sort of thing it made life a lot more comfortable for me and it satisfied my thirst for longer distances. I'm a, I'm a bit weird like that. I like I like the longer distance stuff. So sort of anything anything under ten miles for me is not worth getting out of bed type thing. <laughs> so um, it satisfies my thirst for long distance. You're the Cindy um, Crawford of uh, Nordic walking. Then she said she <laughs> less than ten thousand pounds, didn't she? Right. Okay. I won't go that far. She's better looking than me. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so what benefits did you both feel when you started Nordic Walking? Louise, you mentioned a few on the, your first occasion, but going on from there, what benefits did you feel? Um, definitely the biggest benefit straight away was the weight loss, to be honest. Obviously, I was looking to, um, on my diet as well, to be honest. I was very overweight and instantly the weight started dropping off. The um, Just in the increase in the exercise I was doing, I was feeling a lot fitter Mentally, I was feeling ben- and the benefits of being outdoors in the fresh air. Just the overall experience of it all, it was just amazing, to be honest. It really was. And how about you, Sunil? Yeah, it was, it was something similar for me, really. I mean, I love being outdoors anyway. I'm quite an active sort of person. Um, being outside and being able to fill your lungs and being with, just being with like-minded people, really, having a chat and blowing off a bit of steam. And it was just, just good, clean fun, really effectively so uh, yeah it it was something similar for me as well really it's all Louise's fault I got involved really (laughs) well good for Louise that's what I say well done (laughs) 
<laughs> and um, today we're going to talk about Nordic walking, teaching people with visual impairments how to Nordic walk, because I gather you have recently um, started teaching a group. And I just wanted to set the scene by asking, first of all, how much your group were actually able to see? Right. Well, to be honest, we, have, we did have a wide range of um, visibility impaired walkers, to be honest. A lot of them were born completely blind, which you can appreciate when you're trying to describe to people how to Nordic walk. It's quite hard. You've got to really describe everything so clear because obviously they've not seen anything, to be honest, what, what you're trying to describe to them. So it, it is really, really important that you take things slowly and you explain everything clearly. I mean, some people who came along had did, have developed sight loss from medical conditions, such as you know, diabetes, glaucoma, for instance. And again, um, you, you just have to ask them how much they can see and um, whether the weather conditions on that day are affecting them. And um, so if it's a dark day, you have to wear high vis vests so they can see clearly. Or, for instance, we were, we were Nordic walking on a, a track and the, the white lines on the track were helping them to keep in a straight line that was helping them. So, yeah, you just got to really ask them. They don't mind you asking them at all. They're, they're quite happy for you to be open with them and honest with them. Just to, to ask them what is their range of sight. That's all you've got to do. I mean, some of them brought their guide dogs with them, obviously, and it's so lovely to see the guide dogs the bond that they've got together, it really is amazing. At first, they just wouldn't leave the sides, oh. but after a while, they just relaxed and they soon got used to us instructing them and they just backed off a little bit, but they were always there checking the earners. They really were. It was just, it was just so lovely to see. It really was. And how had the people with visual impairments adapted their everyday gait and movement to protect themselves when walking outdoors? Well, that was that. That that's an interesting one because um, the sessions that we've done, as Louise said, were on sort of a, an athletics track. But you are very mindful that these people do have the, the visual impairment that the people do have. When you lose the ability of one sense, the other the other senses become much much more heightened, and it was very noticeable to see and sort of sense how the people that had almost total blindness sort of thing, were very aware of sounds and noises and smells and so on in and around the area sort of thing, more so than what we could hear sort of thing. I mean, one chap would say that I was walking and said, oh, there's, there's, there's a lorry coming or something, and he kind of sensed the vibration in the ground sort of thing. It's very noted. I mean, on the whole, the gait and the, the balance and the posture wasn't m remarkably different to an able-bodied person. Obviously, there's been plenty of studies with regard to it and visually impaired people tend to use their ankles and the hips and the core more as a means of stability. So they're very aware of where they're putting the feet, even though they can't see what they're doing. They are very aware of sort of a, a, a sort of a very sure footing as they go, as they're going around, which was really interesting because the more that they relaxed into the surroundings, the easier it got for them, which was, which was great to see, to be fair. So did they have quite a good sense of proprioception? Very much so. Very yeah. much so. Yeah, it was... Um, well, I've walked with a few guys that were, without sounding rude, it, they were totally blind, effectively. They could make out 
uh, certain colours and certain shapes, but that was it. They could make out the white lines in the in the running track, which made life easier for them. But very, very aware, heightened, very heightened sense of where they were relative to everything else, which was really interesting, really, because they yeah. were picking up things that as as an able-bodied person, we we weren't seeing or we weren't we weren't sort of aware of. And it was it was really interesting, actually. I got I got an awful That's lot it. out of the sessions. Yeah. It was really, really good. It makes you makes you appreciate what you've got, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. Amazing. And apart from the obvious fact of limited vision that needs to be considered for people with visual impairment, what other issues do they face that make the outdoor environment challenging? Or are there other issues? Have they compensated for that already? I think to be fair, they yeah, they do, I suppose they do compensate a little bit for it. The interesting thing was, and a few people said this that People in and around, when they're walking down the street, obviously you're aware of pavers in the ground and what have you, and the blister blister pavers as you're approaching a junction and things like that. But when you're walking with a stick and everything, people were expecting them to get out of the way for able-bodied people, which was quite bizarre, really. So it's it's just lots of little things. I mean, I'm an architect by, uh, it's my day job sort of thing, so sort of dealing with DDA, the Disability Discrimination Act and what have you, something that we have to deal with. But things like uh, signposts, handrails, planters even, fixed planters in the streets and so on. There are a lot more challenges than you than you think and you don't really realise until these people start, sort of, uh, start making you aware and you kind of go, oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Or maybe if we do it in a different way, we can approach that in, in a different angle. So it's kind of thinking different basically trying to think different basically all the time yeah and and louise do you have anything to add to that no i think it's just bearing in mind the um the weather conditions as well obviously that that's the other environmental conditions that you can um have to watch out for i mean if it's a windy day and everything that can affect the um the way the pull the pearls are moving around for them because obviously you don't want them tripping on too much or if there's going to be debris flying around and things. You don't want, you've got to make sure the hazards um, are safe for them if there's anything about and things. It's just, just general safety for them, to be honest, just general risk assessment. I was just going to say things that we take for granted. Yeah. You kind of, are just things that, that they can't appreciate. Yeah. Uh, or they appreciate in a different way, like I always said. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, when you were teaching them, what was the ratio of learner to instructor? It was about three to one, basically. Certainly couldn't go much more than that, because, you've again, you're very conscious of effectively being a leader. Yeah. Um, these people could uh, make, as I say, they could make out the tracks and what have you on a running track. I would not like to do it as a, as a three to one ratio out in out in the wild if you know what I mean have you walked with anyone out in the wild who's visually no not yet no No, not yet it was something that we were discussing Mm. but I think um sort of going out on a on a trail or something like that you'd have to be extremely careful because you again you've got to be like Louise said you've got to be really careful with your surroundings and so on I wouldn't really want to do more than sort of two to one or even a one-to-one really it just depends on the level of visual impairment that the person has and just to be clear, were you talking to them normally or were you talking through a headpiece or something? No, talking to them normally. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're just 
just having a pretty good yarn about this, that and the other, basically. <laughs> and when I teach, I back up my instructions with a demonstration. I presume that that's of little value to these people. Um, and so how do you, as an instructor, adapt your teaching if you can't use a physical visual demonstration? Well, again, like I said earlier, you've got to find out how much they can see, if they can see anything at all. And then, again, you do do the demonstration, but you, you describe what you're doing. You have to be really, use your imagination, describe everything as, as well as you can. And then you, you also ask them how they would like to be guided. Most of them don't mind some physical contact. So you, you could help them position the pose in the correct way help them position their body, their arms in the correct position as well. And also as they're walking along, they don't mind if they want some contact with their elbow as well, just some you know, confidence, give them confidence that you're there and everything. So again, you just ask them what makes them feel safe, what they're comfortable with, what guidelines they would like, what boundaries they have. The most important thing is to remember that with a, a visually impaired person, that when you are approaching them, just to make sure they know you are about to have yes. physical contact with them so you don't make them jump. You don't want to surprise them. That's the biggest issue as well. And what do you have to do to help somebody with visual impairment when they're going for a longer walk, which they need to do occasionally to consolidate their learning? You know, if you're going for about 10, 15 minutes, are you just doing um, more of the same? Yeah, just, you just got to give them plenty of reassurance about the surroundings, really, constantly talking to them, making them aware of all the obstacles, managing all the risks on the routes, and just giving them help with the technique, adjusting them as necessarily, especially over different terrains, all the ground conditions. I mean, they may not be aware of the things that are coming up, so again, you've got to constantly reassure them, tell them what's happening, just little fine tweaks here and there just to help them because obviously you don't want them to get any injuries or anything. Just in, describe everything, everything that's going on above ground as well in the, the horizon just so that they get the full feeling of the experience. They can embrace the full Nordic walk experience and everything. You just want them to just to love being outside. Mm. And in what way do the polls benefit the individuals taking part in your sessions? This is, a, this is a tricky one, really, because, as it appeared to me, uh, depending on the level of visual impairment that the person had, for those that had no uh, vision at all, the poles were, were more a support and used as a guide, certainly initially, anyway. But for those with greater sight, they picked up, they tended to pick the technique up a lot quicker. They tended to respond and want to be off more, so um, and almost sort of trying it for themselves, which was, which was great. But again, it's like Louise said, really, the big thing that we had to keep doing was reassuring them that what they were doing was the right thing and making sure that um, positionally wise, they were hitting various positions, making sure that the head was clear of the chest and relaxing the neck and the shoulders. So as it made it easier to sort of use the upper body and what have you. So, and then you obviously get the greater benefit using the poles as well. So sort of the plant push, sort of the extend and the release and so on. They soon picked it up, to be fair, and they were in their element, really. It, it was great to see. What was their feedback to you? 
Well, they absolutely think it's amazing and wonderful to be able to just try a sport where there's no barriers at all. Um, it, it just gave them such confidence and you could see it was helping with their posture. And I think they, they felt it made them walk with a purpose. It really did. It just gave them such confidence. I mean, you could see the, the reactions on the faces, the smiles did so much for their mental health, the self-esteem. I mean, everyone's so keen to come back and um, just try it again and again. They really do. They want to. And they've got ambitions to go further afield. Um, some want to go for a walk on a beach. Some Another lady, she just wants to go for a walk through the woods in the countryside, just listening to the birds, just you know, everything that we just take for granted that they want to do. And a, a couple of people, all they kept saying to us, do they look like a Nordic walker? That's all they wanted to know, which of course they do because the Nordic walking. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just wonderful to see them. They, they, they were just loved it. They really did. Fantastic. And I want to ask you both this question. Do you have a favourite step of the inward technique? And if so, what is it and why? Well, I think for me, it's it's the drag. I absolutely love the drag. I think that's the, the best step to teach. And especially with the um, visually impaired um, group that we had, I could see when I was watching them that they, they went back to the drag themselves. I didn't have to say anything. As soon as they lost their um, coordination, they knew straight away they went back to the drag. It was just the best one um, they did without me having to prompt them at all. And they soon got their um, coordinations back. I don't know if it was because they could feel the pearls on the ground and it made them feel secure and safe. And they just they could just knew what to do straight away and they soon picked the um, technique back up. So to me, that's my favourite. Um, te- that, that's my favourite step, definitely. And how about you, Sunil? I'm, I'm probably a weird one because I like the one that's probably the hardest to teach, the plant. Um, <laughs> because, especially with being, with being a bigger bloke as well, I like the idea of being able to use the ground as free energy, if you like, so as it yeah. sort of helps propel yourself forward. Um, that that aligned to sort of posture and breathing and what have you. Um, I kind of, it, the, I love the plant. I mean, kind of constantly fiddling around to kind of give myself a better feeling of what I'm trying to do. And it's great when you get it right, because you just feel like Superman, you're not going to take yeah. off sort of thing. It's, it's great, but... Yeah, it's the, it's the hardest one to teach, I appreciate, but it's the one that I like the most. Yeah. Um, but I suppose, well, yeah. I, I, love, I love asking this question because I get a completely different answer from every single person. <laughs> and even when they give the same technique point, they have a different reason for it. And I find it fascinating that it is so myriad, the answers that you can come up with and it's it just appeals to people for so many different reasons it's wonderful Mm. and so finally what is your top tip for walking on air just do it it is for everybody the sessions that we've done for the uh, visually impaired group has reminded me how accessible nordic walking is and there are no barriers at all for anybody so i really recommend you do it the feedback you get from everybody is just amazing. I would just do it if you can. Brilliant. What about you? Um, it's not for 
for me, the sight loss thing has been has been quite a revelation, really, because it's not for any of us to judge anybody with any kind of impairment at all, whether it be visual, whether it be physical, whatever. We take being able-bodied uh, for granted, I think, especially with regard to to vision as well. We shouldn't. We need to take in more of our surroundings and what and what goes on in life far more than what we do. So, yeah, it, it, like Louise said, just do it. Give it a try. Enjoy it. Enjoy it for what it is, and just just understand where you are really relative to everything else that's going on in the world at the moment. Um, we are very lucky. Uh, we are very fortunate to be able to do what we can do. So, uh, chill out, enjoy it, see where it takes you. Thank you very much. This has been such an interesting conversation and I know a lot of the audience will be fascinated by it. I know, um, well, as you know, there's been a lot of chat on the instructor forums about targeting this particular group and helping more people with visual impairments um, learn how to Nordic walk. So thank you so, so much, both of you, for no sharing your experience with, with me today. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. I hope that you have enjoyed Walking On Air, and if so, then I would be extremely grateful if you could spare 30 seconds to like and review this podcast on the platform that you listen on, and hit the subscribe button, particularly if you listen on Apple. It will help spread the word about Nordic Walking and about this podcast. If you have any feedback, suggestions of a topic, or a story that you want to share on this podcast, please get in touch by emailing hello at walkingonairpodcast.co.uk. You can also follow the show on social media. On Facebook, it is simply Walking On Air. And on Instagram, the handle is walking underscore on underscore air underscore podcast. Have a great week and happy Nordic walking. Finally, before I go, I would just like to thank this episode's sponsors, British Nordic Walking, NordicWalk.store and Walking Women. Their support enables our community to share knowledge and learn together.